You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Robert, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tony, and we're talking about the Copper Basin 300, which is the race this weekend up here in Alaska. It is known as the toughest 300 miles in Alaska. It's also an Iditarod qualifier. And we're going to jump in and talk all about the race, who's running it, a couple of stories. But first and foremost, this is often perceived as a very cold race up there in, I guess, the lower interior of Alaska. But it's a balmy minus 10 right now, should be about minus 20 come start time tomorrow. And that's not unusual. I mean, it gets way down there, doesn't it, Tony? Yeah, in fact, I think negative 20 might be on the warmer end of the starts uh, that I've been following over the years. Um, It wasn't too long ago that they were talking about having to cancel the race after the first day because they got down past negative 60. So it's, it's very common to see frosty faces on the dogs and icicles on the mushers' faces. Yeah, and twenty minus 20 is a perfect temperature for running dogs. Uh, I will uh, go with what most mushers say. Uh, from minus 10 to about, from 10 to minus 10 or 20 is a perfect spot to run sled dogs. They just seem to perform real well there. Before we jump into these stories, Tony, can you tell us a little bit about the race itself? Where does it start? Where does it go? Where does it end? Sure. So this year they're doing, I believe, the same run as they did last year. Uh, Typically they uh, go back and forth between where they start and where they finish, almost in like a Yukon Quest sort of thing where one year gets the start, the next year they get the finish, that sort of thing. Uh, But they'll start off in downtown Glen Allen tomorrow morning. They'll head to Tulsana Lodge, Lake Louise, Sourdough, which is normally, I believe, the coldest part of the race, Mears Lake, uh, Chistachina, and then they will finish back at Glen, in Glen Allen. So if you are in that area this weekend, stop by. It's a big party. Uh, it's one of the ones that I keep trying to talk myself into going, but being as I am from the peninsula where we are pretty warm, not as warm as maybe the Panhandle, but we're one of the warmer parts of Alaska, those negative temperatures are always kind of the deterrent for me to go. <laughs> yeah, and I've been up there many times in the winter and in the summer, and there's not a lot going on up there except really for this race. This is really the crown jewel of that area, except for, of course, fishing and whatnot in the summer. But uh, <laughs> an interesting part about this race, I'm sure that they still do this, is for several miles, they run right along the Parks Highway. Is that right? I believe they are still or doing Glenn, that. Glen Highway. Glen Highway. Glen Highway. Yeah. yeah, I knew what you were talking about. Yes. Our listeners may not. Um, I'm trying to gauge if they're still doing that by looking at the maps, but I can't really tell, just because I'm really bad at reading maps. I don't think it's their fault. It's my fault 
but um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's another one of those races that you get to see them run along the, the highway or the road system. So they're not completely out in the middle of nowhere for the whole race, but most of it is pretty remote. Yeah. And there are some pretty big uh, inclines, elevations. There's a, a couple of river crossings. There's overflow. There's bad trail. There's everything. And a lot of people say, as I mentioned at the top, this is probably the toughest 300 mile race in Alaska. And a lot of Iditarod rookies say that this is the race that really prepared them for Iditarod. I'm sure you've heard that too. Yeah, the only other one that I think got that much hype was the Testamina 200 down here on the peninsula. I'm just going to give a shout out to the race that no longer exists uh, because of all of the elevation climbs that you do down here. But the Copper Basin has all of it. I think it's a really good test and challenge to kind of give you a little bit. The only thing that they can't recreate is the windstorm, those ground storms that you get on the coast. For that, you have to go to the Cusco. But I think Copper Basin is probably one of those races where if it's not your midterm, it's the pre-set. <laughs> it's the test before the final. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those races I really enjoy uh, following along. You've got a great roster every year, both of mushers who are well-known as well as the up-and-comers. I think Mitch Seavey sends his handlers up there in a pass or fail kind of mode is what he calls it. It's not a, um, you know, finish first is a, is a pass. It's just finish, and that's your pass. If you don't finish, that's a fail. Obviously, it goes on your report card that you didn't finish. So it's, it's an important race. It's a tough race. It really tests the mettle of every team, whether they're a veteran or a rookie. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that roster here in just a second. But there's a couple of stories that we want to mention. One in particular about a pretty big name kennel. What was that one? Sure. So early this morning, the Copper River Basin—I'm sorry, the Copper Basin 300—they posted on Facebook that they were looking for someone who was willing to drive a musher and a dog trailer to Willow to then have somebody else truck them to the starting line. Amanda Otto from Husky Homestead Tours, which is Jeff King's kennel, hit a caribou near Cantwell this morning. The dogs are fine. The musher, the handlers, they're all fine. The caribou and the truck, not so much. She's She was stranded, couldn't get down to Willow, and it just about an hour ago, it was official that she could not make it to the race in time. They have to have that vet check the day before the race, and it's obviously late evening now. And if she's still up there near Cantwell, that's a long haul to try and get to the uh, vet check, even if they were able to make accommodations, which I'm sure they would have. Um, but just could not make it. It's very unfortunate. Amanda ran the Iditarod, I believe, last year. Really, really fun musher to talk with. She's got such a great attitude. So I'm sure she's disappointed, but very thankful that everybody's okay. And uh, I feel bad for the truck, I think, more than the caribou. The caribou, when they get hit, at least, it's pretty... It's a pretty quick and humane way to go, all things considered. 
not like a moose that you have to then dispatch. So silver lining. Yeah. And, and for folks that don't know anything about Cantwell, number one, that's not very far from Jeff King's kennel. He lives just mm-hmm. north of there in Denali Park. And just a little bit north of there is the the state park, you know, the national park with mm-hmm. what they call it, glitter gulch and all that, where um, where the where the action happens. But Catwell is sort of in between Willow and and Fairbanks. And what's interesting about it, they have this huge valley there, and there's mountains on all sides, including Denali. And there is a caribou range that goes through there every winter. And you can often see them as you're driving up the Parks Highway there. I've been doing that drive many times over the last decade or so. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen those herd of caribou cross Mm -hmm. there. And they are not like moose and they're not like deer. There could be hundreds of them uh, in a Mm -hmm. pack traveling across that area. And if they get onto the highway... Boy, that's that's uh, that's no joke because you're going 65 miles an hour even this this time of year, and if you hit one of those guys, it's going to be the end of your day for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely we have caribou down here. We've got a herd, and they definitely like to play chicken on the highway. And they're not um, they're not as easy to spot as a moose that jumps out. But neither animal gives you much warning. They just pop out of the snow like daisies. And uh, sometimes you just can't help it. My understanding is there was a herd that crossed and not every caribou made it across before uh, the impact with the truck. So very, very disappointing, but thankful that everybody's okay. Yes. Other than the caribou. And as we're recording this here on Friday night, the, uh, the musher draw is happening as we speak. So we do not have... Mm-hmm the musher order, but do you have any other stories you would like to mention before we get into that? Um, I'm just, I just saw that they updated, well, they've updated the um, withdrawal list on online, but they have not updated the bib numbers. Sorry, that just popped on my screen here. Uh, the only other story that we've really heard so far is that Jesse Holmes has made it. He was there at Vet Check this morning. He is ready to go for our listeners that have been listening a long time. They know that Jesse Holmes was injured this summer during uh, helping cleaning up in Golovin after the typhoon. And so it's a really exciting thing to see Jesse make that goal of getting back into the swing of things. He was training this fall. Everyone was wondering how his recovery was going and he is going to be at the start line tomorrow. Not sure just exactly when he's going to take out of the start line, but he is in the race as far as we know, unless something drastically changes in the next 12 hours or so, which we have seen in the past last year uh, Nick Petit withdrew the morning of the race because his truck wouldn't start because it was so cold in Glen Allen. So it, you never know until they're right there at the start line who's going to be there, but it looks like Jesse Holmes will be there. And then we had a last minute swap with um, one of the teams out of Mitch Seavey's kennel. It was supposed to be driven by Jonathan Hayes, who was going to use this as one of his qualifiers for his 2025 bid for the Iditarod. But he injured himself in a last minute training run 
uh, has really wrenched his knee and is hoping that he'll be ready to go in a, uh, in a week, I believe, is when the Willow 300 happens. So fingers crossed for him there. Um, but one of his kennel mates, uh, Laurel K- Laura Kittleson, excuse me, will be running. This is her first race, and she's going to be running a team with many of Mitch's A-team dogs. So that's pretty exciting, and good luck to her. <laughs> yeah, that, that will be interesting. And one more note on uh, John Hayes. He came up to Alaska pretty much on quick mm-hmm. notice. He He decided that he was going to uh, jump on, really jump on a plane right around Christmas time, fly up, try to do the mm-hmm. Copper Basin and the Willow 300 in the same go with Mitch's kennel. And unfortunately he did get hurt. But as they say, a lot of times there is true agony and defeat in a lot of these qualifying races, because if you miss one, it could really push you back. I know we've really talked about that in our Iditarod coverage, especially the lead up. And it might be mm-hmm. the case with, with uh, John Hayes because he was coming up to run two of his three qualifiers and the more importantly, the two 300-mile qualifiers in this season. And now if he's unable to get that one, that means he has to do it for sure next year or he's not going to make that uh, 2025 quest that he wants to do. And, and there's a little bit of history behind that 2025 run he is doing it to pay homage to the 100th running 100th anniversary of the running of the serum run and that's important because he has cephalus siberians which is uh, descendants of togo so there's a real historical bent to that and i know we've had him on the show two or three times we've had his kids on the show who are also uh, mushers uh, competing in in races out east but Really interesting guy. We even have a puppy from him, Esold, and she's sitting here at our feet right now uh, as we're recording. So I have a lot of history with John. I hope he gets better and all is well, and he's at least able to do that race in a couple of weeks. And we're going to cover that one, aren't we, Tony? We are, yeah. The Willow 300 is always so much fun to watch, um, and that's another one that typically we have a lot of coverage on social media because most of the checkpoints are accessible to fans and to uh, insiders. So it should be another fun one to watch. So let's talk about the roster. We've teased it for the last 14 minutes or so. We've talked about the withdrawals, uh, some of them happening as quick as today, others in the last few weeks or so. But who's on the roster? And then we're going to talk about who we're rooting for. All right, so you've got Iditarod champion Brent Sass, you've got Nicholas Petit, you've got Yukon Quest champion Matt Hall, uh, Jesse Holmes, as I said before. You've got both Travis Beals and Sarah Stokey from Turning Heads Kennel. Uh, oh, they have not taken Amanda off, sorry. Uh, we, we've got both Vitellos uh, who are coming up to run Iditarod this year, so I don't know if this is actually their last qualifier or if this is just a training run. I'd have to go back and look. You've got Riley Dyche. Uh, it says Leon Doherty on the roster, but he goes by Calvin. Uh, he's also running out of Mitch's team. Anybody who remembers uh, Lost Boy Larry from the I Did a Rod, that's his son. We've got Squid Acres with both Paige Drobney and Cody Strath. Jeremy Traska, Joshua Armstrong, uh, several 
names that I can't pronounce, and I apologize. Uh, Hedda Mosliff and Ronald Stifler. Jeffrey Dieter is in this race as well. We've got Vicki Justice, Anna Hennessy, uh, Misha Willis. I'm not sure if she's actually running or not. I did see something that was a rumor that she wouldn't be in the Copper Basin, but she's still on the list. Uh, Richie Beatty is on there. So it's a really strong, and I've probably missed a couple in just kind of scrolling down, um, but it's a really strong roster. Uh, even the the rookies or the quote unquote unknowns, they're really they're really strong candidates to push and be competitive. I know many of them, especially the ones out of Mitch's kennel, they're not looking for placement. They're looking for finish, and that is always, I think, the big um, the goal for everyone. But I, you know, I'm, I'm really excited and I think all of them are my favorite. <laughs> all of them are your favorites. Now we cannot do that. I know last week, uh, the last couple, of, <laughs> yeah, the last couple of these, we, we picked our, our top three, I guess it was. And I, I think you guys did that when you did the show, uh, this past week with Michelle, who was hosting for me while I was recovering from surgery. So who are your top three? I know this is tough for you. I know you're superstitious and it happens to be Friday the 13th, but who are your top three? <laughs> and, and and they don't necessarily have to win, but who are you really going to be watching? All right. Well, I, I try to watch uh, the CV teams, but I don't cheer for them because I promised Mitch way back when, because every time I choose a team, it doesn't matter what sport, they don't have a good run or they don't finish. So I'm not cheering for them. I'm just saying I will be watching. Um, but I think probably favorites more along the lines of who's going to be the most competitive. I'll put Jesse Holmes in there. I'll go with Brent Sast. And I'm going to go with Paige Drobney for my top three. Okay. All right. I am going to definitely be watching those guys as well. And it will be interesting to see what Nick Petit does. He... Uh, really, really, uh, went a different way this week, didn't he? Uh, when, when he did not win the connect 200 and he wrote a recap and he said, it's fun, not being a champion <laughs> and all that. So it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that if, if he wins or, or if he doesn't, I think it's going to be interesting because he's won it the last few years, hasn't he? He has. Yeah. He's like I said uh, earlier during the connect 200, he's kind of the king of the mid distance races. He wins quite a few of them every year. I don't know what to make of that post that he made after the connect 200 to be fair. He came in third. That's not like he bottomed out. Yeah. So I don't think that he's necessarily non-competitive or that this is necessarily a rebuilding year. I think it might have been kind of Nick's way of playing mind games, as we've seen him do in the past. He really likes to kind of play those games with not just his competitors, but with fans. He likes the drama and the of the unknown, which I appreciate a little bit of snark and a little bit of coyness so it'll be interesting to see if he doesn't stick with the chase path or lead in front i'll be surprised 
yeah, he he always he always uh, is one to be watched at that top for sure. And my other two are Matt Hall and Riley Dyche. I know we talked about mm-hmm. uh, Riley uh, in last year's I did a rod. I guess it was. They all run together as as we do these. Uh, and I think he, I think he's one of those. Uh, really good up and comers. I think he's going to be one of those mm-hmm. forces that a lot of people don't know a lot about, uh, and he's going to do very well in the coming years. And of course, as we mentioned earlier in this show, this is a real testing ground for Iditarod. And I know he's probably run this race before, but he's definitely going to be on my radar. Before we go, Tony, this is a race that you can follow on the uh, on the trackers, and I know it's available on their website, but what is the best way for folks to follow this race online? Other than the trackers, which the link is not up yet, that won't be updated until after they get the bib numbers squared away. The best way to watch it is going to be on their Facebook page, which is Copper Basin 300 Sled Dog Race. Or if you type in facebook.com slash Copper Basin 300, it should pop up. They are hoping to go live for the start and the finish with video. That all depends on a number of things, mainly, though, weather and temperature. When it's really, really cold, batteries don't last long, so they can only do so much. And you can also tune in if you can't watch, if you're not a Facebooker, if you can't watch live for whatever reason, but you can stream radio. Google KCAM Radio. They are the official radio station of the Copper Basin 300. They will broadcast the start live. They will also broadcast the finish live when that happens. And they also will update the race throughout the day during their regular news hours. Yeah, and and one tip on that, uh, the old iPhones or or cell phones uh, in these temperatures. I don't know how many times... (laughs) I have had my phone out in these negative 10, negative 20 temperatures, and you're you're shooting the most epic video ever. And within yep. 30 seconds, <laughs> 30 seconds, it shuts off. So if if they lose the live feed, I almost guarantee you that's what happens. Because even with oh, all yeah. of our technology, we still have not figured out how to warm up our cell phones, whether they be iPhones or Androids or whatever. They they immediately shut off in these temperatures. So Without, uh, you know, getting crazy and yelling at them on Facebook um, why the live feed went down, that's probably what happened. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Internet up there is really, really slow uh, because they are yeah. uh, a, a remote community. They're, I don't know, what, 300 miles or so from Anchorage, I guess? Something like that. I don't know. It's a long drive. <laughs> it, it is a long drive for sure. Okay, Tony, we're going to be back on on Tuesday night, that's the night mm-hmm. of the banquet, we did our Monday night recap for the Connect 200 because that's a much faster race. We will still have folks coming in on Monday, especially the Monday. Uh, the back of the Packers. They will they will finish on Monday, some, some of those, won't they? Yeah, I think that's what they're planning, which is why they've got the award banquet for Tuesday, even the Connect 200, they had people coming in after the award banquet ended. So it's not uncommon to see a race push till the next 
day. We saw that with the Testamina 200 a couple of times where they're like, uh, most of the people are still out there. We're going to like reschedule this banquet till tomorrow. Yes. So I think the Copper Basin is just being very, very smart and just going, you know what? Forget Monday. You guys all have to come here Tuesday and then you can go home. Yes. Yeah, so guys that are listening, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And you will not miss an episode, including all of these uh, previews and recaps. We're going to do them throughout the season and our regular episodes as well. Tony and I are recording one of those this week as well, and it will drop on its regularly scheduled time. We have some news and nuggets about the Yukon Quest, and I'm anxious to, to talk about that and whatever we can get into in our regularly scheduled program Tony, real quickly, how can folks follow you on social media? Best way, uh, especially for races, is on Twitter. I'm at Tony Shell AK. I'm also on Instagram at Tony Shell, and my blog is writersblock.com. And I am at Robert Forto, F O R T O, and the podcast drops on at First Paw Media on pretty much all socials, including LinkedIn. I'm, I'm interested that we get a lot of likes and things on, in the comment box on LinkedIn. So I guess there's a lot of musher fans over on the professional website, as they call it. <laughs> so with that, Tony, we will talk again in a few days. Have a good evening. Goodbye. From DogWorks Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.